a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Story Connect, the podcast, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. How are you talking to your customers about net neutrality? That's what we'll be talking about on this episode of Story Connect the Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Johns. Thanks for joining us again. My guest today is Jed Marston, who is Vice President of Marketing at EPB in Chattanooga. Jed, thanks for joining me today. Glad to do it. Well, uh, EPB, um, you know, just full disclosure out there, EPB is my internet provider. You guys are right here in, in Chattanooga, where we are. And uh, I, was, I was impressed by how quickly you guys responded uh, to the net neutrality decision, the way you guys communicated. So that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about primarily today. Uh, so if you can, just, um, uh, I know the things that I've seen here in town, um, but if you can, just kind of talk us through, I know you guys did a Facebook Live, you guys did the billboards, but uh, what basically what was EPB's communication plan uh, when it came to this decision coming out? Sure. So um, we actually have been committed to net neutrality uh, since we launched our, our fiber optic service. And um, as this issue was bubbling up, we decided one thing we needed to be able to do was make a clear statement in everyday language that our customers would understand. So on a, a previous round, um, we had uh, created what we call our customer care pledge. And it's got uh, some normal marketing stuff in it, like uh, we're we're here to answer your call uh, 24-7, 365, no data cap, stuff like that. Um, and then we had added our commitment to privacy, that we would not uh, monitor or sell people's web browsing history. And so we decided we were going to add our commitment to net neutrality to that statement. Um, and there was a little bit of an interesting thing because uh, then marketing is interfacing with legal, and we have a phenomenal legal team that is all about trying to figure out how to communicate clearly to customers. But we, you know, we had to make sure that we said it in a way that was plain spoken, but at the same time, you know, met the legal requirements. So we worked through that, and we added that to our customer care pledge, and we had that in our hip pocket, you know, prior to. Um, we've been following this pretty closely. Um, we knew the comments period had taken place over the summer and the early fall, and uh, the industry um, information was all pointing to the fact that it would probably be overturned. So um, we developed a communications plan, including a, uh, a press release announcing our uh, continuing commitment to net neutrality. Um, we also prepared a billboard campaign, a radio campaign, and had those ready to go uh, as soon as the decision was made. Uh, and we also did a Facebook Live event uh, with our CEO and our uh, in-house legal counsel um, so that they could talk about this. And really our primary goal was to make sure our customers knew our position, um, that we were going to uphold net neutrality regardless. Um, and really from an infrastructure perspective, we think that this policy, why people, why companies might not want to be net neutral, has to do with having a lack of capacity. Um, we're very proud that we built a fiber optic network that we don't have to slow down somebody's traffic in order to speed someone else's. It has the capacity to handle all the traffic it needs to. Sure. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about the specific things you guys did, but but since you brought up kind of that advanced knowledge uh, and the pre-planning that went in, let's talk about that. Just how 
How far back did that go when you guys uh, were, I mean, to have radio spots and, and billboards ready to go, uh, it had to be, you know, a little while back when you were working on it. So talk us through just a rough timeline of about how far out y'all were working on, on some of those pieces. Well, uh, and we are very fortunate. We basically have uh, an in-house creative team here. And, um, and uh, so we're able to do a lot of things in-house and do them very quickly. But this is something we'd been anticipating for some time. Um, we, I think it was about uh, a month beforehand, the FCC announced that they were actually going to be um, you know, meeting to make this decision. And so we really got to work in earnest at that point. Um, uh, and a lot of the work honestly was done in the last, you know, week to two weeks. Um, um, because, you know, we've got a workflow that we're following and then this ended up being something we kind of added in on top of everything else. So it had that little zing of excitement. We, we did anticipate it and we had everything ready to go, but we were able to put it together pretty quickly. Sure. Now, the, the Facebook Live is something I want to talk about because that's that's something new. You know, you, you could do billboards, uh, you could do radio spots in the past, but to have the CEO, I, I tuned in, I watched the, uh, I guess tuned in is not the right word, but, you know, I logged on, whatever, <laughs> and uh, watched the Facebook Live just to kind of see what people were going to be asking and, and what you guys were going to be answering. And, and what a great opportunity to have your legal counsel and your CEO communicate directly with um, both the, the fans and the trolls out there on social media. It seemed to go over well. A lot of kind of the same questions, but uh, was it uh, basically, did it go the way you guys expected and you guys had a few talking points and everything lined out ahead of time? Yeah, it, it went very well. Um, uh, we had done some prep uh, expecting we'd get some, you know, some hardball questions. We really didn't get... Um, you know, we got good questions, we got substantial questions, but, you know, in that kind of situation, one of the things you have to be concerned about is that someone with, with an agenda and a little knowledge, you know, asks you something that can make you look stupid. So we'd done a lot of prep to make sure we, we knew how to answer those questions, and we really didn't get any. Uh, we got honest questions uh, from customers, um, and, uh, and I think it was very effective. We're fortunate that David Wade, our CEO, is, you know, he is so customer-oriented that he was uh, able to make time in his day on short notice, you know, to do that. Um, and I think it, it really, you know, lights him up to be able to talk to, you know, customers. And, and it's got to feel good, right? When, when your message is, we're looking out for you, our customers, and we are really setting ourselves apart from the competition just by doing what's in the best interest of our customers. Well, we'll talk about the positioning and everything uh, here in just a minute, but I did want to ask about the uh, the questions that you guys get asked, uh, either on on Facebook Live or just out and about, callers, email, you know, whatever's coming in about net neutrality. What are some of the, the most common questions? And, you know, just uh, remembering that the Facebook Live, it was a lot of the same questions over and over again. Um, but what are some of the most common questions, and then how do you guys answer those? Yeah, so I guess most common is what's your position, and and we are uh, upholding net neutrality. Uh, we do clarify what net neutrality means um, because there's a lot of confusion about um, about that terminology. Um, uh, another big one has to do with um, now that the FCC has made this decision, what's going to happen next? Um, in real terms. Um, there is probably going to be some kind of uh, 
series of lawsuits. Um, so I, I don't think that, that customers even, you know, outside of our service area are going to see a big impact from this anytime soon. And even when they do, I think the challenge and interesting thing about net neutrality is you don't really have a way of knowing if content has been blocked, right? I mean, that's kind of the insidious nature of this particular situation. Um, so uh, another effect could be there are countries where, um, as a customer, you would have to pay, um, say, a different uh, rate for streaming. You might have to have, have a streaming package in order to view streaming services. Um, more likely in the near term, the way that would play out, uh, we think, is that companies might, for example, uh, you're a streaming company um, and you're using a lot of traffic, so we would demand that you pay uh, to prioritize your traffic so you can get to your customer. And the reason that's problematic is that um, it dampens innovation. So you've got a new business that's just starting up. Say it's not a streaming service. Say it's a healthcare service that requires, you know, significant bandwidth to transmit medical images or something like that. Um, and if at the very outset, in order to, you know, the, one of the great things about the internet is the leveling effect, right? So you could be someone in your home office um, able to deliver a level of professional services nationally or internationally, um, it's something that you couldn't do before. You know, up, up until the internet, you had to have a swanky office building in the right town and all that kind of stuff. So uh, net neutrality uh, kept that field level. The concern, I think it's a legitimate one, is if you have to pay to prioritize some of these innovative, high-bandwidth businesses just won't have the capital uh, to connect with customers. Sure, and part of the reason it's such a, an interesting issue uh, is you hear both sides saying the same thing. You know, both sides are saying, you know, uh, this is going to stifle innovation or that will stifle innovation. Innovation. It just goes back and forth. Uh, so I think there's a lot, a lot of noise people are hearing and, you know, trying to determine, um, you know, what, what's actually going to happen. It's like everything I've heard from industry folks is just what you said. Probably not a whole lot, especially in the short term. It so be, It won't be visible in the short term, yes. I think eventually it could be pretty impactful. Uh, it could really reshape the nature of, of the Internet and how we use the Internet, but it's going to be incremental. And, you know, we as a people, short attention span, you know, we wake up five years later and and it's if it comes on incrementally, we, we may not notice as much. True. And just to clarify, the, the lawsuits you were talking about or, um, you know, some of the uh, like the I don't know if activist is the right word, but but those groups um, against some of the big telcos has nothing to do with EPB or nothing to do with no. any. Yeah. No, we and and I do want to make it clear too. We we did take a position um, on net neutrality, but this this is not a, a, a political issue for us. Um, really, we have a business choice to make, and we have chosen to make the uh, the business decision of upholding net neutrality for our customers. That's a good segue because the next thing I want to talk about was that business choice and how that may be a differentiator. Because if you're sitting in a market where 
the uh, the big um, national incumbent brand or whatever has has not made a kind of pledge like that, then uh, you know, like like I think has been seen with the reaction to some of what you guys have put out there, you guys get to be the hero, uh, which is a position, uh, frankly, EPBs found themselves in quite a bit. Uh, but um, just with this, you guys really did get to be. Um, you know, making a strong pledge like that, I think, um, looks like the reaction from folks is that it is a differentiator for you guys. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I wouldn't say that we set out to be a hero, but we, uh, our mission is to serve this community um, uh, in pursuit of both economic growth and quality of life for our customers. And from that perspective, it's just, it's the right thing to do. It's, you know, um, we um, we all live in this community. We want what's best for this community, and, and we take kind of a good neighborly approach to things. Um, so from that perspective, um, EPB intentionally built out a fiber optic network um, from the perspective of having a high capacity, but also to avoid obsolescence, right? There are lots of ways you could set up a network, um, but uh, nothing travels faster than the speed of light. And um, we are able to upgrade our network as technology advances through the relatively small investment of updating the electronics on either end of the fiber. The fiber is the really expensive part. So we have been making decisions really in a community interest that I think have have allowed us um, to make decisions like that. And I will say it's not always easy. Um, There have been situations where uh, we have you know, had dis- internal discussions about uh, how do we ensure, you know, financial viability? Uh, could we potentially be forfeiting money that we might need? Um, and we don't think so. I think we've made good decisions about that. Um, but it isn't like it isn't without um, the possibility of sacrifice. Sure. And, and again, that leads us kind of where I was headed next. So anytime you're going to make a pledge like you guys have made, um, like you said, legal was involved. I'm sure upper management was involved. Um, if you can, just um, tell us a little bit about how, and not necessarily the what was discussed, but just how do you make sure everybody is on board and you know, with, with things may change in the future, but you guys have made a pretty strong pledge here. How, how did you guys go about making sure there was consensus and, and everybody was on board to make a strong pledge like that? Yeah, we we really have, I think, a great internal culture. Um, David Wade, our CEO, is very visionary, and part of what he encourages is lots of questioning, uh, lots of spending time kind of in the uncomfortable, we haven't got it solved uh, state, uh, which I think is very valuable. And um, we had robust discussions that involved uh, lots of, of people um, – uh, in a variety of disciplines within uh, EPB. Um, I have to say this was not a contentious one. Um, we kind of in building the network made a commitment to this approach, to a net neutral approach to how we were going to manage the network. Um, so really the, the, the difficulty, the, the, the point of um, friction was how do we express this in uh, everyday language that make, I mean, just explaining net neutrality in everyday language um, and making it relevant to, to folks, you know, in a way that they can understand is tough. Right. So, there's, a, there's a reason we're not getting into a lot of the nuts and bolts of it because we're trying to keep the podcast to about 20 minutes. You know, we can very easily run a lot longer than that. So, yeah, right. go, go ahead. Um, 
so anyway, that that was actually it, the most difficult part of this decision, with, or not even decision, but just figuring out how to execute the communication clearly. Sure. Uh, no, about the last thing that I had for you um, was just kind of your reaction to the reaction. So um, not just the reaction to your pledge, but also the reaction to um, to ne the net neutrality decision. So you guys had, were obviously expecting some kind of reaction because you had prepared a lot of a lot of things in advance. Was the reaction from the customers about what you expected, and then was their reaction? to the messaging you guys put out, did that have, you know, was that what you guys were hoping for as well too? Yeah, I, I really think so on the whole. Um, it, it is interesting because it's not like we just started communicating. Every time this has been an issue, we've talked about it in the past. Um, but, you know, it think, when things get critical, uh, you know, at a national level when people ask questions and we were prepared to answer those questions, and I think uh, our responses were very well received. Um, it, it was interesting that kind of the secondary question is, um, but what about, you know, transport? What about the secondary level of network connectivity? And we were able to say, well, um, we don't have any control over that. So, you know, uh, we, we can talk about the stuff that we can control, but we think – that that's not going to be an issue because we buy at a wholesale rate and we actually have uh, competing uh, providers who, who off bring our transport in. So we don't think that's going to be an issue in the future. Um, and I think that that's one of the, the, the big things that I think is, is valuable to think about. Um, part of what's interesting about what's happening in Chattanooga is that, uh, that there is a competitive option with EPB. And so we're, you know, we're taking the stand, and that's the only reason it's a differentiator is because there's competition to begin with. Um, I read a statistic recently that in the United States, 58% of, of households only have one Internet option. Um, and I think that's the real challenge and difficulty when it comes to something like net neutrality. Um, if you've got competition, you're going to have companies vying – to, you know, one's going to differentiate by doing this and another's going to differentiate by doing that. But if, if you only have one option, um, then you're really at the mercy of, of your one Internet provider. So, Just to follow up on what you said there, so the communication all along uh, with this, that this was not the first time people had heard of net neutrality necessarily, did you guys either do or consider getting into any advocacy beforehand, write your senator, write the FCC, anything like that? Was there any messaging you guys put out, kind of a call to action, or were you just going to let let it happen and then react? No. We we did post a comment to the FCC uh, on this go-round and on the previous go-round with the FCC, but we have very intentionally chosen – not to be an advocate because that's not really our role. Um, our role is to provide the best interest of our customers the best way we can. Um, and in this case, you know, trying to lead a national campaign or whatever, it just it was outside the purview of, of what we do and what's appropriate for us to do. So we did comment because on behalf of our customers, what we thought was in the best interest, but we did not try to get into a, a, an advocacy role in any way. 
Perfect. Well, I, I appreciate the uh, the insight there. Was was there anything else about the net neutrality um, reaction or, or uh, the messaging that you guys put out? Anything else on the topic that you'd like to cover before we wrap up here? Well, uh, I guess, uh, number one, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. Um, it, it was a very interesting project uh, because it's, uh, it's not a very touchy-feely uh, communications uh, item. Uh, but we felt really good about being able to kind of um, communicate a community value message in a very strong way, um, a message that spoke to economic development, job creation, and also, uh, you know, our residential customers, education, all of those things. Um, so it was, it, was, uh, it was a good challenge, and, and we felt good about how people received it. It did seem like they understood what we were talking about, even though it was a little bit difficult. Sure. And along those lines, is there is there one piece of advice or, or one thing you would tell another ISP uh, or, you know, Telco Electric, whoever it is, uh, that's that's uh, trying to get the messaging out or, or thinking about a pledge like the one you guys have done? Is there any single piece of advice that you, you would pass on to them as they're, they're maybe crafting their own um, pledge uh, like you guys have? Well, uh, I, and I think this is something that communication people uh, people realize. Although it's hard to forget in the thick of things, you got to figure out where your audience is standing to begin with. What's the part that they care about? Um, what speaks to their experience or their need or their concern? I think we live in an environment where everybody is so inundated with information, and the trick is figuring out how to deliver a piece of information that actually matters to the person you want to receive it at a point in time when they want to receive it, right? So one of the things that we didn't do was spend six months running billboards about net neutrality. We responded on social media as the issue arose. And then as people got concerned or had questions about it, then we were ready to spike up the communication because we knew it was top of mind. Um, so that's been part of our approach is on the one hand, we do spend time preparing messaging in advance that, you know, there's lots of stuff you can anticipate. Um, and we kind of have an idea of, you know, there's kind of two tranches on your calendar. So one is, you know, during um, Earth Day, you want to be delivering a, a certain kind of messaging. During the holidays, you want to deliver a certain kind of messaging. But the other thing is triggered. You don't know what's going to happen, but um, storm hits uh, or um, or a big policy change hits. You don't know what's going to happen, but you know you're going to need some kind of messaging. So one of the things that I think that, that we have done and want to, to build on is uh, working to foresee those things that you don't know when it's going to happen, but to have something ready to go uh, so that you can speak to people at the point where they care about that particular message. Certainly. Well, that, uh, that's great advice. That's good insight um, for, for everybody who's listening. So I have, uh, I've enjoyed our talk. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk with me, and thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Andy. Sure. And uh, this has been another episode of Story Connect Podcast. Hope you're enjoying these. If you subscribe uh, on iTunes or any of the other methods where you get your podcasts, you'll be able to get our future episodes. And hope you've enjoyed these. And we'll continue uh, to crank out some new ones here in Season 3. I'm your host, Andy Johns. My guest today has been Jed Marston, Vice President of Marketing at EPB here in Chattanooga. And until we talk again, keep telling your story. You've been listening to Story Connect, the podcast, a production of Word South a content marketing company.